Hello again, dear friends. And thank you again for joining us today for our inaugural day of mindfulness here at Empty Mountain, witnessing our, our humble beginnings here. We're on the land of the Confederated Salish Kootenai tribes and the Coeur d'Alene tribe. And uh, we are practicing to be good stewards of the land here at Empty Mountain. Mm. This is a very happy moment. I'm really aware of that. Mm. For those who are listening online, if you hear the sound, a strange sound in the background, that's our, that's our tarp wall breathing with us. <laughs> our shade, shade wall. Relinquish the tarp. It's a little cooler today than it has That's been. true. Would you guys like some sun to come through instead of the tarp shade? Okay with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my leg fell asleep. Okay. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. I need my sunglasses. We'll we're, re we're relinquishing the tarp. Bye, tarp. Going with the flow here. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, wonderful. Now we have some sun and a non breathing wall. Are you okay in the sun? Yes, okay. I think so. <laughs> Thank you. So over the, um, the past uh, 12 months, I would say, so we're in August of 2022. So since August of last year, 2021, um, I have been uh, receiving what I regard as next level training in regards to how to cultivate both roots and wings simultaneously at the same time. Hmm. So developing the wings in order to navigate big life change, the winds of big life change, um, while simultaneously uh, maintaining roots of wellness. So those anchor points um, which are foundational and supportive and nourishing for my well-being. Hmm. And I think one of the, um, the, the larger obstacles that, that many of us will encounter on our path of practice um, is our propensity for dualistic thinking. 
And what I mean by that is thinking in terms of black or white, this or that, yes or no, right or wrong. We often are, uh, have a, or have a difficult time holding two seemingly opposing things at the same time simultaneously. So we might think, is it nature or nurture? Well, in reality, it's both, right? Are we an individual or are we part of the collective? Well, in reality, it's both, right? Mm. And um, dualistic thinking, uh, seeing things in a dualistic way, um, is an obstacle because it um, often will lead to discriminative action. So dualistic thinking leads to, uh, often leads to discriminative action. So if I think I'm right and that other dude over there is wrong, and in essence, I have just shut him down. I said, no, like I don't like how you're existing. I am right the way I'm existing. And there's a discrimination there. It's maybe very subtle depending on the situation. Um, but the reality um, oftentimes is that um, there's a lot of subtleties and nuances that exist and a deeper level of understanding that we can generate to um, hold the truth of reality a little bit uh, in a bigger picture. Hmm. When we're caught in dualistic thinking, we are uh, sort of disregarding the insight of interbeing. Uh, and one of those insights of interbeing is that each one of us is a, a collage of a series of causes and conditions. We are a product of our upbringing and our ancestry and all of the experiences that we've had. Uh, since we were born, and before that also. Mm. So dualistic thinking, uh, thinking in terms of, well, it can either be this way or that way, uh, oftentimes is a little short-sighted. Mm. So when we think of uh, developing roots and wings, our first instinct might be to th to think that we can't do both of those at the same time. Um, if we only use our intellect to, to think about roots and wings, uh, we'll say, well, a tree cannot be a bird, a bird cannot be a tree. Right? A tree is a tree, a bird is a bird, and you can't, you can't do both. You can't be a tree and bird. Um, that's uh, one uh, example of dualistic thinking. Yeah. Um, and if we're stuck in our intellect, that's true. That's true. A tree is a tree and a bird is a bird. A tree cannot be a bird. A bird cannot be a tree. That's very true, you know, in our intellect. So we have to go a little bit deeper and delve into the heart of our experience um, and go beyond the intellect uh, to see, uh, uh, to penetrate into what it means to, to do both at the same time. Mm. So... As some background, uh, so um, Mike and I, we sold our house in Missoula that we had been in for 18 years. Um, we sold our house in September of last year, 2021. And we sold it in uh, pursuit of a long-held vision to find land to live on and also start a uh, mindfulness practice center. Um, where we could host retreats and events and hopefully move into residential living options also um, and form a community. 
And we've been looking for land for actually a number of years on and off and very uh, uh, diligently, especially last year, we were looking at a lot of land last year. And we uh, came to realize that the land market, much like the other markets of housing and rentals, is very uh, competitive right now. And um, we, were, we would need to sell our house in order to buy, have the money to buy the land because we were not interested in getting a loan. We wanted to live a little differently, live within our means without debt. And um, we realized that we would need to sell the house first um, in order to liquidate our assets so that we'd be ready to move on some land when the occasion arose. So, um, so we sold our house with having no idea when or where or if we would find land, which was terrifying. <laughs> I can laugh about it now. Uh, and I have laughed about it also over the last months. <laughs> Um, and it was also terrifying in, in a non-humorous way. Um, especially, I think, more so for me, maybe a little bit more than for Mike, um, because I'm a nester, and I like having a, a place to come home to and something more uh, solid uh, or seemingly solid. Uh, and... Um, so we uh, sold the house and then went to... To our home away from home to Deer Park Monastery, where we've been going for retreats in Southern California for the last eight years. And uh, fortunately, they took us in for the winter. And um, we then came back in uh, early April. Uh, we had bought an old Chevy van to live out of uh, before, we, uh, before we sold the house. And uh, so we started living the van life in April. Um, and uh, started looking for land right away when we got back to Montana, back home. And uh, we, uh, we kept track. We saw 18 different properties within about two, two months. Um, and uh, in my mind, there was a good chance we weren't going to find land this year. Like I at least had that, you know, I kind of wanted to, to hope for the best, but sort of prepare for the worst. And... Um, just our budget was low and just, you know, some meeting some of the criteria that we had, um, you know, was going to prove a little bit challenging. But, um, but we found land and we closed on July 1st on the land we're sitting on right now, 24 acres near Superior, Montana. And, um, and we, are, we are starting our humble beginnings here in our uh, rustic adventure of living off-grid in the woods. And um, to have a day of mindfulness within, you know, a month and a half of uh, buying the land, uh, for us, this was uh, very important to do because we're not uh, interested in only living in the woods and getting closer to the land, but we want others to join us too. Uh, and so um, this is a very happy moment to have you guys all here. So I've been referring to... Uh, this last 12 months uh, before buying this, this property. Um, in my life, I've been referring to this chapter as the great unknown. Um, and um, this process of 
um, I've been referring to this process. There's an old saying that says leap and the net will appear. And I was really resonating that for, with for a long time. But now I am realizing sort of looking back that it was more that um, I find it more fitting that I was actually leaping, wanting the wings to appear. The wings to navigate and stay in the air, navigating the currents and the winds of change and um, um, looking to stay in flight. Yeah. Um, and there's a few... Um, there's been many lessons. I feel like I've been uh, especially learning these last 12 months. Um, but there's, there's five in particular that have stood out that, I, that I'm going to go through that I've written down here on my Honey Bunches of Oats cereal box. Use what you have. We're big fans of that here. <laughs> so I'm going to hang this up. <laughs> Let's see if it stays. Lessons from the great unknown. Let's see how it goes. So the first lesson from the great unknown, and I'm going to bring it up here on my phone so I don't have to keep turning and looking at it. <clears throat> Okay, so the first lesson is maintaining nourishing points of wellness is crucial. Um, when we sold our house and we uh, uh, went to Deer Park and then we started living in the van and this whole, uh, the great unknown was very persistent and um, as I said, at times very uh, terrifying I would use that word, which I'm cautious to use, like, you know, really big words like that, um, unless I really mean it. And I, I would use that. I think it's accurate here that for me, it was terrifying at times. Um, as soon as I would start thinking like, oh, I don't, I, I'm someone who takes a, a daily nap, um, in large part to help with the chronic pain condition that I have, um, rest is crucial. Um, and I found that napping is just like one of my best strategies for pan, pain management. And so as soon as I was like, oh, I don't need to take a nap today. There's too much going on. Or, oh, I don't need to eat, you know, I don't need to make a healthy meal. I'll just eat some junk food. Or, um, oh, I don't need to sit today. Like, I don't have time. Like, I don't need to sit in the morning. As soon as I would start going down that trail, I would notice it very quickly and, and bring myself back as, as much as I could as quickly as possible because for me that's a really slippery slope um, especially when navigating big life change like as soon as those points of wellness and like refueling for me start to go I'm in trouble um, and it happens quickly uh, for me and so um, just really um, seeing how important it was to know what my anchors of wellness were, those anchor points that were foundational, and to keep doing those. Like, okay, maybe one day I didn't have a nap, but like I need to get back on that as soon as possible and to notice that as soon as it starts to go. Um, so that was uh, one of, the, one of the, the lessons from the great unknown. Um, the second one is... Stepping into the great unknown is, at times, terrifying, awkward, and hella uncomfortable. 
I think there was part of me, not I think, there was part of me that sold the house and we went to Deer Park and didn't know what was going to happen when we got home. Um, we also didn't have jobs to come back to. So we were just really, we were just all in on the, on the unknown front. Um, but there was part of me that was like, okay, we've been planning for this for like years, really. Um, and we've been downsizing for two years prior to selling the house and getting rid of stuff. And um, there was part of me that was like, okay, I've been preparing this for this for so long. This shouldn't be uncomfortable. Like, why is this so hard right now? <laughs> and then I would sort of catch that thinking and I'd be like, oh, I don't think that's realistic. I, <laughs> I don't think there's any amount of planning that just like, supersedes feeling uncomfortable in the moment when it's happening like thinking about something and doing something are two different things um and so um i would really uh try to just recognize and allow things to be difficult like oh the great unknown is terrifying like that's just part of the deal um and that's just part of the process so that simple not easy but simple recognition that the great unknown um, is uncomfortable and awkward and like learning how to like find wings is like learning how to walk like it's you're gonna fall over and it's you know things are, um, you know sort of just figuring it out as you go um, so this leads into the third lesson from the great unknown which is just because something is terrifying awkward and uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean anything is wrong or in need of fixing um, I think uh, many of us have learned, uh, at least, uh, you know, in our collective culture here in the U.S., that uh, discomfort means, like, something needs fixing. Something's wrong, you know, some, something's wrong. And there would be times when uh, the great unknown would, um, would I would get this message, would be like, oh, my God, what have you done? You sold your house, like... You've sold all your comfort and security and conveniences and everything you've known. And like, you have no idea where you're going to land. And what were you thinking? Um, and um, I would also, you know, try to catch that uh, when it arose. And just be like, okay, just because it feels hard right now does not mean we've done anything wrong. Like, again, this is part of the process. And the more I can, like, really allow that to be... Um, uh, part of the process and like acknowledge it for what it is instead of trying to like think it meant something's wrong or need of fixing for me was really helpful um, to the process of going through the great unknown hmm. and then again this leads into the next one uh, number four which is meeting ourself where we're at with friendliness and spaciousness and humor sometimes hopefully is a game changer. Uh, for me, that can seem sometimes like this like insignificant thing uh, to meet myself with friendliness and spaciousness um, and humor. But in reality, it's actually really huge. <laughs> it's actually really amazingly helpful um, and um, supportive to the whole deal. <laughs> um, the more I can be like, okay, this is hard right now. That's okay. You're stressed out. You're super overwhelmed right now. Like, that's okay. It's okay. Like, and that, that's my own languaging that I use that's helpful. Like, it's okay that it's hard right now. 
um, to acknowledge that it's hard, to let it be as it is, instead of like giving myself a hard time that it's hard or being like, you shouldn't be stressed out for some reason. Um, <laughs> uh, and then um, for me, uh, you know, humor is huge. Uh, I love to have fun and to uh, uh, use play to help lighten things up and uh, to laugh at myself. <laughs> Um, and not a demeaning way, but I just like, okay, this is hard. You're stressed out. Look at what, what do you, you're trying to do 10 different things at the same time. That's hilarious. Like, what? <laughs> you know, and I often talk out, out loud to myself because I find it helpful to hear my voice tell me these things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Um, so yeah, using, uh, really befriending myself and giving myself a lot of grace, reminding myself like, yeah, we're taking on a whole lot right now. <laughs> Uh, this is, this is big. This is big stuff we're doing right now, Nicole, and it's okay that it's hard. Um, and then the fifth one, I mean, there's others, as I said, but the fifth one, the, the fifth lesson from the great unknown that I have been learning is that no amount of self growth, life change or transformation takes place inside of our comfort zone. Um, if we are someone who's committed to uh, being a, an ongoing student on the path of practice and we're interested in continuing to learn about ourselves and uh, uh, how to be good, skillful humans in the world, um, you know, something that I just continually learn is that uh, self-growth transformation, like none of that can happen inside of my comfort zone. It just can't. It just won't. Um, and so reminding myself about that is also helpful. Um, and going through this big life change that we've been going through, uh, wanting to have it be something that I can learn from and uh, take the challenges and utilize them as part of the practice, not separate. Not like, oh, okay, I'll get back to my practice after life settles down. Like that's not how I want to engage with things. Um, everything is part of the practice. Uh, and um, so really uh, seeing the importance of like, okay, this is, this can be, this is all part of the growth experience and learning um, to be outside of my comfort zone. Um, and I think it's important to mention that there's nothing wrong with having a comfort zone. I think it's important to also have moments when we feel comfortable. Um, so I just want to be clear that I'm not saying we should always be outside of our comfort zone, but I think, uh, for me, there's moments where, where I do want to be stepping outside of that, taking small steps. And then sometimes we're taking really large steps outside of that too, depending on our situation. Um, and, and to know that, uh, growth and transformation, uh, happens there outside of our comfort zone. So, um, something I've, uh, I'm putting together through this process too, is that, uh, roots and wings really complement each other. You know, the analogy and what this means for ourselves and for each of us, it will be different. Um, what it means to, uh, cultivate roots and wings together. Um, I think, uh, if we invest in developing only roots, 
without wings, there is a potential um, for us to become overly caught in form and for us to become very uh, strict and rigid and like not wanting anything to change. Like I only want roots and I need roots to feel safe and secure and nothing can change and everything will be fine. So there's a, there's a risk um, uh, there if we're only trying to have roots. I think there is also a risk if we're uh, only wanting to invest in having wings because then uh, potentially uh, there's a risk there that we become very dispersed easily, unable to be really grounded and present and with what we're doing um, can sort of just be really scattered and all over the place. So I think there's a really lovely pairing of roots and wings um, that we can uh, work to develop for ourselves, each of us in our own way, um, and uh, have the skill sets and the strengths from each one to um, bring together to um, form a union in a relationship together. Um, the more that we are able to lean into uh, allowing two seemingly opposing things to exist simultaneously, we can sort of get unstuck from our dualistic way of thinking. The more able we are to meet the present moment where it's at versus where we want it to be at or think it should be at. Um, and the more able we are to meet the moment where it's at, um, the more we're also practicing to meet ourselves where we're at just as we are and also in turn do that for other people and meet them where they're at and where they are uh, versus wanting ourselves to be different or someone else to be different or the moment to be different or you know something else to be happening that isn't happening. Um, so this is a, a good practice for us on the path um, to find ways to uh, blend these, uh, these roots and wings. Um, you know, one of my uh, life models that I use a lot is to start small to work big. Start small to work big. Um, and I think in every moment, every day presents uh, uh, opportunities for us to do this in small ways. Because there's change is always happening. Right? We have a plan, the plan changes, you know, um, our kid is sick, we have to go to get them from school, or we have a flat tire, you know, something happens that changes our plans for the day. Um, and then there's um, moments when we'll, we'll experience big life change um, um, also. And so we can sort of uh, practice starting small every day, every moment, uh, working on figuring out how to balance ourselves with roots and wings. Um, to nav help navigate uh, the change when it occurs, but also keep our points of wellness anchored also. Hmm. So I think I'm going to um, wrap up here. Um, I am going to close the best way I know how, which is to uh, offer a poem. <laughs> and... I was going to read one of my own poems, but I have decided not to do that and to read one instead uh, that I really enjoy from uh, this collection. Uh, this book is called The Poetry of Impermanence, Mindfulness, and Joy, edited by John Brim. And it's a collection of poems, uh, one of my favorite collections. And this... Uh, 
poem is by Ruth Stone called Train Ride. All things come to an end. Small calves in Arkansas, the bend of the muddy river. Do all things come to an end? No, they go on forever. They go on forever, the swamp, the vine-choked cypress, the oaks rattling last year's leaves, the thump of the rails, the kite, the still-white stilted heron. All things come to an end. The red clay bank, the spread hawk, the bodies riding this train, the stalled truck, pale sunlight, the talk. The talk goes on forever. The wide, dry field of geese. A man stopped near his porch to watch. Release, release. Between cold death and a fever, send what you will. I will listen. All things come to an end. No, they go on forever. <laughs>